Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we welcome back Richard Haidt. And Richard and I are going to be discussing his book, The Genesis Code, and decoding the Bible and those hidden codes and messages that are in the Bible, specifically in the book of Genesis. And this conversation goes to places I was not expecting. So sit back and relax, because this is going to be a good one. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, returning champion, Richard Height. How you doing, Richard? Fantastic. I'm, I'm happy to be a returning champion, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> My friend, you were on uh, on the show early, early on when I was just a small little show, just talking about some deep stuff. And uh, and I wanted you to come back because I always love our conversations. Uh, you know, we had deep, long conversations about many deep things. Uh, in the past, and I'll make sure to put those in the show notes so people can could go back and check those interviews out after this one. But I wanted to have you back, man, to talk about uh, your book, The Genesis Code, which we've never really done a deep dive into about your decoding of the Bible, the, of that book, the lost teachings of Jesus, how that we can incorporate them into our daily lives, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I appreciate you coming back, my friend. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me back. I mean, I'm just so amazed at what you've done, the work you've done, the people you've had on, you've You've done you've done it so well. You've done oh, I appreciate that so well, and, and you're so pleasant to speak to, and very insightful. So I really appreciate your program. So my first question to you is, sir, how uh, how have you decoded the book of Genesis in that book, the Genesis Code? How did you begin the process? <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I was a kid, my my grandmother and grandfather would visit, and they would take me to church, and it was a Christian church, and I remember the experience was rather shocking because. It was so negative. It was so negative. It was all hellfire and damnation. If you don't believe like we believe, you'll be you'll be judged and thrown into hell, and you know and all of that sort of thing. And it was a, I was only maybe eight years old, but it was a real turnoff. Um, and then I started to have a, a series of dreams. Actually, I think the dreams may have started before I was taken to church, but but where in the dream Jesus would visit me. It'd be just I, in the middle of my room, lying on the floor. There's this guy. I'd wake up at, 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 in the dream, lucid in the dream. On my bed, and there's this guy on my floor. I didn't know who he was. You'd think he'd be terrified, but there was this like light emanating within the room, and I felt totally safe. So I went over to to talk to him and see who he was and what was going on. I looked into his eyes, and like my whole body lit up. This is Jesus. And of course, at the time I didn't. You know, how, how would you know when you're eight who it is? <laughs> it doesn't, right. doesn't make any sense. But I wasn't even thinking on that level. Uh, just there's this beautiful depth in his eyes and. Ultimately, he asked me through repeated dreams, will you find the teachings that have been lost? What he's saying was, 
what I tried to teach has been distorted, has been so perverted, has been filtered through self the self-absorption of humanity to kind of turn it into their own message. Very little of that essential truth is still there in the text, in the writing. There is some still there. Will you find it and bring it to the world? And this, this dream, exactly a moment for a moment, would repeat. I don't know, every couple of weeks or something like that. It was a very, very strange experience. And ultimately, I said yes to this. I would do it. And of course, being like eight years old, you have no idea even where to begin. And so when my grandmother and grandfather invited me to go to church, I thought, well, that'd be a great place to start. And it just wasn't. It just, right. it was, I was surprised. Now, in fairness, there may be some churches that don't do that at all. And so I, I don't want to be unfair, but I'm just saying that that was the experience that I had. And then, of course, meeting highly religious people thereafter, the tendency was pretty similar. It was a lot of judgment, a lot of this idea that we know the truth and and if you don't abide by what we know to be true, you're going to hell. And you know, you're 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 the son of Satan or something. It's sort of that kind of that kind of concept, whether they actually think that way or not, that's sort of the feeling that oftentimes comes across. And sometimes it overtly comes across. Um, and so that's kind of where I started. And then I would go through and read the Bible over and over and over again. And I was more confused than not by it because there's so much conflicting information. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you if you read it as you're kind of told to read it and you take for granted that what your pastor, reverend or rabbi is saying is the truth. And, you know, they're, they're able to kind of pull things out of context and whatnot. Maybe it will seem like it makes sense to you, but you need, if you read it actually like contextually and you read it to see where things don't add up, it starts to be really confusing. And I, I couldn't understand how this book could be so respected, how this book could be followed by so many people, but with all these inconsistencies um, that are self-undermining. Read a book of, actually after I wrote The Genesis Code, a few months after I wrote the Genesis Code, I read read some books by Bart Ehrman. Are you familiar with him? I am not. Oh, uh, misquoting Jesus. It's a brilliant book, and he's he's a religious. You know, he he went to seminary. He became a pastor. He, you know, he he did the whole rigmarole. But then he got very interested in all the hypocrisies and all the inconsistencies, and started researching it and getting into biblical archaeology and 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 seeing the. There are thousands, it turns out, thousands and thousands of manuscripts that, that go back to like 70 AD, up to like, you know, 1600 or whatever, but lots of different manuscripts. And what's happening is the people that were transcribing these manuscripts, they themselves nece couldn't necessarily read. They're just copying the scribbles. Mm. And of course, some of them could. Some of them, many of them, would just insert in their own ideology in various points and you because you could find it in this version it says this and then the next version you can see it's been crossed out been erased off of the parchment because you know it's not like that a, a printing press back then they had to reuse the same scrolls and parchment they would scratch it off and then write over it with something else and change the text meaning entirely and you can find this going throughout so it's very difficult it makes it very difficult to find out what did what did jesus actually say what were the original texts not just jesus but you know, in the 2,500 years before Jesus, what we call the Old Testament, what was actually what was actually originally the text? 
we don't know. We don't know. But I didn't find out about that until after I wrote the Genesis Code. Mm -hmm. What inspired the Genesis Code was that another, I, for some reason, I have a tendency for mystical experience. I have a tendency to have like, you know, I might, I might be walking somewhere, I might stop and then, you know, I'll, I'll go into this visionary state or oftentimes it'll happen in dreams where it's like a lucid dream, but it's a mystical message. I don't know why that happens, but it does happen. One night I was, I hadn't even been thinking about the Bible, hadn't been thinking about Christianity, you know, for months, maybe even years prior to that, because I'd, I kind of gotten disgusted with it because it was so confusing and there was so much judgment. I don't necessarily think, I mean, Christians kill Christians. Mm -hmm. this, this happens just like, you know, Buddhists kill Buddhists and, they, you know, Muslims kill Muslims because you, I'm right and you're wrong. Like this right. is this can't this can't be reflective of truth as far as I'm concerned. It cannot be reflective of a healthy way of viewing things. Something's gone astray. So I had kind of really given up on the on the Bible, and mostly, I mean, like even more so than the New Testament, the Old Testament, because you know there there are some horrific stories in there. If you really go through that book and read it, oh, yeah. and I think most Christians haven't. You know, there's a, there's an old guy who was bald. The kids are teasing him, and so he calls on God. He asks God to kill him, and God sends down a bear that that eats the kids. <laughs> it's very godlike. It's very godlike. Very godlike. And so I, there's something amiss. But one night I just couldn't sleep. I don't know why. I'm just. This often happens before a mystical experience will start. If it if it's going to happen at night, the mystical experience for me usually happens between two and about five a.m. Don't know why. And and there are some years of my life where it's like every other night. That's what that's the case. Mm -hmm. um, but this on this particular night i'm not thinking anything there's no anxiety in my body there's nothing you know nothing disturbing me i just couldn't sleep surely i wanted to sleep but i couldn't sleep we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and i don't know two three o'clock in the morning it started i saw the bible from the opening from the rear and flipping page by page to the front very rapidly and it got to the very first story of genesis now i never liked the story of genesis mostly because it seemed like there are even within the story different there are different stories that are not necessarily in alignment and it's very confusing for me but i could see when reading the text like certain sentences were highlighted almost like a, a goal uh a gold took a yellow highlighter and mm -hmm. highlighted it there were certain mm -hmm. sentences that were highlighted you know, all from genesis one through three and i could see the fundamental meaning ah i could see there was a layering within the story or stories there's there's a layering of like maybe we, we might describe as mythology a layer uh, a, a layering of cultural values mm -hmm. right a layer that that layer of cultural values, for example, would put forward the patriarchal point of view, um, how men should behave towards women, how we should behave towards our environment. These, these sorts of teachings are in there. But, but in between those teachings, there's something still deeper that it seems like everybody's missed. And that's what I call the code, the Genesis code. And it's right there in the text when, when you see it, once you see it, the beautiful part about it is once you see it, you can't not see it. Have you ever had an experience like that where oh, truth yeah. is, oh, you didn't never notice it before and then suddenly it occurs to you and they're like, holy crap, like 
this is so oh. obvious. It's so obvious that I can't see it. I can't unsee it. It was like when you're watching a movie and someone tells you, oh, you see that right there? Oh, look, there's a, like, I can never unsee in Die Hard uh, the stuntman fighting the bad guys. Like, I can see the stuntman's face. It's so oh. obvious. It's not Bruce Willis. I can <laughs> never unsee that. But when I first saw it, I never saw it. But yes, now, yes. so everybody yes. listening, go watch Die Hard. There's a, every time he's fighting, it's the stunt guy's face. It was in the 80s when they didn't care as much back then. <laughs> I'll yeah. never be able to unsee that. So there you go. <laughs> the first time you watch it, you didn't notice, though. That, but at right. some point, that light, that light clicks on and it just never turns back off. It's, it's just like that. And, and so that's where the Genesis Code book came from, because I woke up from that vision, that vision and immediately went into my office and got a copy of my Bible and read through Genesis. And that text was there. I got a different version, read through that, got online and checked Bible Gateway. They got a thousand different versions on there. It's in all of them. It was utterly astonishing. And so over the next period of the next year or two, I just, just the book started writing itself. I mean, basically, you know, that, that's how most of my books are. They just, they just, that's how all my books are, actually. They just take on a life of their own and I don't know where they're going. Um, but that's that's where it began. So, so we're talking about these inner teachings. Uh, are these these are in Genesis? But yeah. we're also talking about Jesus's lost, uh, yes. which is not which is not Genesis. That's New Testament as opposed to yeah. Old Testament. So, first first question is how? What is the some of the big revelations you found within Genesis? And then we'll go into Jesus's lost teachings. So the first, uh, the first most important thing is when we read Genesis, it's helpful to recognize that there are three Genesis stories, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. These are three different perspectives. The first perspective is the perspective of whatever we would call a non-personalized God or the creator God. The next perspective is the perspective of a human being in the garden and the, the creator within the creation, mm -hmm. right? The next perspective is of what I will call a, an abstraction layer that develops. And now the, the abstraction layer is, so I, I doubt you could argue with this point with me, but I mm -hmm. encourage you if you can. Mm -hmm. There's reality. We don't understand what reality truly is. Mm -hmm. But the key point is we are that. Right. Whatever it is. Too. Whatever yeah. it is, Whatever we are it. Is. Yeah. Whatever it is, we're it. Mm -hmm. So there isn't no separation between the totality of being and the individual human being. Interesting. That's a, you're absolutely right. Whatever the tree, out. whatever the tree is made of, we are made of the same thing. Whatever the air is made of, we are made of the same stuff. We are all That's made right. of the same quote unquote code or whatever you like to use it. Fundamentally the same spirit or being or whatever. Sure. Now, whatever that is. Say, people will say, okay, well, the universe isn't conscious, but I am. And I would... I would oh. say this back to them, when you speak and when you think, have you ever considered that it is the universe that is speaking and thinking through you? Because that is what's happening. You're a bag of atoms. How is it a bag of atoms can self-reflect? How, how is it that a bag of atoms can say, I hate the universe? Well, if, you're, if a bag of atoms is saying that, it's kind of funny because you're saying you hate yourself. Right. And then also, and the other thing is too, that a lot of people argue that human beings are the only thing that have consciousness, but that's a, absolutely a distortion because does the blade of grass that turns to the sun, there's a form of consciousness there. Animals have a form of consciousness. Trees have a form of consciousness. Yes. Even land has a form of consciousness. 
Yes. Now, that's is how, it that's how I perceive it as well. Yeah. Right. It's not us. We have a completely different level of consciousness as the planet itself has, I, I believe, has a consciousness. Galaxies have consciousness. Universes have consciousness and so on. I, I believe that, in fact, I, I was actually just watching, uh, I've been recently watching some physicists and mm-hmm. some of the, the more prominent physicists are starting to actually entertain this idea that the whole thing may be conscious because our current equations, our current ideas are not working. Correct. And so that we have, so there's something wrong in the equation, something wrong in our perceptions, which is, which is fine. But we talk about the universe as being made up of forces. So there's the, the, there's a strong force, there's a weak force, there's electromagnetism, and then there's gravity, which technically they don't, is not technically a force, but more like the 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 shape of space itself it holds it, it it's a force that holds it together like we're being held together to center. it draws to center correct right. yeah yeah so the human intuition is that gravity pulls down but actually a correct way of viewing it is gravity is dri- is driving towards center mm-hmm. so you're not falling down you're falling towards center right you're falling towards the center of the earth but the matter of the earth prevents you from actually getting to that center the earth is falling towards the center of the sun. The sun is falling towards the center of the galaxy. The galaxy is falling towards the center of the universe. The universe, who knows what's going on there, but I suspect mm-hmm. it's falling towards something still deeper. But we're gravitating towards a central truth, physically. Mm-hmm. Physically. You know, what we think of as physically. But in any case, if this is not different than reality, which means it is reality, this conversation right now is the universe talking to itself. Now, some of the things it's saying may sound ridiculous, mm-hmm. but maybe what's happening is just the universe is exploring itself. <laughs> exactly. And we're we're like the you know tentacles of a certain type of exploration. I, I call it God's algorithm. We are the algorithms of God. <laughs> God's algorithm. There you go. So Genesis <laughs> three is is basically where within the human being the that abstraction layer, the ability to so we talked about levels of consciousness, right? The, a type of intellectual cognitive intelligence emerges, which in itself is just, it's a high, well, higher level. It's an extension of consciousness mm-hmm. where consciousness now can reflect upon itself and talk about itself, essentially. doesn't matter what I'm talking about. I could be talking about this thermos. I'm still talking about myself. This is reality. Mm-hmm. Reality, right? Mm-hmm. On, on a fun, at a fundamental level, we just don't often see the connection. One of the interesting aspects of that abstraction layer is it is a mapping mechanism. When you're when you're walking through yourself, which says reality, when you're walking mm-hmm. through the universe, walking on the planet, you're walking through yourself in a certain sense, mm-hmm. right? But you're, in order to see, your mind has to anticipate what's coming, and your mind is constantly trying to map out what it is, what is there. You ever, if you ever wore braces, you'll know this. Phenomena very well, uh, or if you break a tooth or anything like that, when the braces are taken off, your tongue will start, you know, it'll do that for for weeks. Like, even if you don't want it to, it'll do that unconsciously. What's happening? The nervous system is remapping your mouth because it's fundamentally changed. From your tongue's perspective, it's got a very dangerous job. It's got to, you know, move food around in the mouth and it does it courageously. You know, with these chompers that can bite it at any time. Right. Imagine if that was your job. 
It, it has, by the way. <laughs> but still, even after being bitten, that tongue, tongue will still do its job. Mm -hmm. It's if we live our lives by the the teachings of the tongue, we'd be all awake. We'd all be awake. God, that's a great. That's your new next book. That's your next book. <laughs> Got to come up with a good title for it. The teachings but, of the tongue, I think, will be great. The teachings of the tongue. There we go. <laughs> that that's that that's actually because what the tongue is doing is it's one, it's doing its job to move food from side to side, to taste, mm -hmm. um, to move saliva around as well in that very danger, that high danger zone that it's in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's taking responsibility to constantly map it out and make sure that it's as clear as possible. When we go wrong in life, we don't get the mapping right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Or when we make a mistake or we get bit, because it's going to happen even if the mapping's correct, you know, we, we, get, we pull away, we get neurotic, or we get really angry or judgmental towards it. None of those things are helpful to do your, your job, and none of those things are helpful in your life. How does that relate back to the Genesis code? So pr perspective one is that overall, like, you know, um, the overall Universe. master consciousness. Mm -hmm. Perspective two is the boots on the ground consciousness with so we have the individual persona in there added in there mm -hmm. right relationship between the individuals and that universal on but with the boots on the ground circumstance mm -hmm. and level three is where the individual has matured beyond the innocence and has developed a, a strong enough abstraction layer to be able to say i'm separate from it i'm separate from my environment and now that comes in this feeling of meaninglessness, this feeling right. of unworthiness. Like Eve eats of the apple because she, the serpent comes to her, which is the abstraction layer and says, hey, you know, God's laughing at you because, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of under him. You're not really worthy. If you were equal to God, that would mean that you would, you understood good and evil, right? So that apple there, you see that shiny fruit, that quince, whatever it is, that will give the ability to know good and evil like God knows good and evil, and you'll be equal to God, which means you will have meaning. Because only God is good. Mm. Right? Right. Well, who wouldn't do that? Yeah, who wouldn't that's do that? That's a good sales pitch. It's a good sales pitch. It's a good sales pitch. But fundamentally, what that fruit means is the ability to judge good and evil, to condemn, to morally judge. Now, mm -hmm. if I call you, if I say you're a liar, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to feel that happy toward me, that pleasant toward me. You're probably not going to want to open your heart to me anymore. Mm -hmm. That cannot be a teaching of a universal God that recognizes that everything that is in the manifestation is also it. Because to judge any of those manifestations is to judge itself. It's insane. Mm -hmm. And it creates separation. The fundamental teaching of Genesis is don't judge don't morally judge and we've misinterpreted it to no do more of that oh god do we ever <laughs> and and the, the churches the synagogue they, that's what they teach at least everyone that i've ever seen or heard mm -hmm. we, we need to judge more now i'm not saying i'm going to separate out discernment from judgment moral judgment and discernment like discernment is i'm not going to put my hand over that flame because there isn't any benefit to it unless i want to eat my hand mm -hmm. right <laughs> if i were an octopus that might be a, a that might work Regenerate my hand, right? Right. 
right? But we're not octopi. And so the interesting thing is, is we, if through meditation or whatever other means, we're able to shut off our sense of identity and go deep into the nervous system, what we find is there's a sense of connectedness to the totality of being. And through that sense of connectedness, there's an inherent meaningfulness. It's only when we're disconnected from that fountain of being, that connectedness, that, that, that what I call, it's called the nexus point, that's the nexus of the totality of being. It's only when we're disconnected from that, that we start spiraling out, our ego starts to seek. Like you ever wonder why there's this strong um, correlation between saying somebody's name, like Alex, right? Mm -hmm. Saying somebody's name and them liking you. The more you say their name, the more they'll like you. Why is that? Because the name gives them a sense of, of individual importance. And we're seeking this sense of being seen. You ever wonder why young, you know, like teenagers who start driving, they, they might take the muffler off their vehicle and drive around. Oh. And ah! It's like they're saying, look, I exist. I exist. You don't oh, so that, so, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you acknowledge me. So right? that explains the neon underneath the cars and the big giant rims and the hydraulics and all of that stuff. Sure, and you know, becoming you know famous and you know being seen and you know, all it's all the same thing. It's it's essentially I don't feel a connection within me, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna outsource my sense of connection. I want to feel that I'm meaningful, I want to feel that I'm valuable, I want to feel that I'm good, that I'm loved that I'm worthy and all of that. But fundamentally what it means is we don't believe we are. So we don't and, believe and, we're worthy. And the thing I wanted to, 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 to dig into here, because that's basically the fundamental thing that advertising does mm -hmm. in everything. So when people have to wear brands or have to be, because the brand has recognition. So if I wear the brand, then I will associate myself with that brand. Yes. And and if I have to drive the fancy car or have the fancy this or that, uh, or being famous on TikTok or being famous on Instagram, and it's all look at me, look at me, because I don't. And as opposed to you don't see a lot of, you know, spiritual masters, generally speaking, uh, do things like that because yes. they don't they don't dress in Gucci, uh, right. they don't have Rolls Royces. Generally speaking, some do, and they are who they are, um, but others don't. So that makes a lot of sense. Like for me. I could care less what clothes I wear. I'm like looking at a black shirt. I'm like, oh, does that fit? Great. Let's get 10 of those. I'm good. Um, because I just don't even, it doesn't, it means nothing to me. My kids are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't, I just don't. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> what you just said to me is a conversation I had just before I met with you today. I, yeah. I, went, I went out and I had like a purple t-shirt on. My wife's like, you're not going to wear that on the podcast, are you? <laughs> But, goes into my closet and pulls this out. Says, "You know, wear this." I'm like, I'm like thank, "Thank God for wives, because I would be the same way." Like sometimes she's like, you, "You're walking out of this house. Like people are going to think that no one loves you." <laughs> That's right. Actually, I rather like this shirt. I think it's a handsome shirt, but <laughs> it's a fantastic shirt. But that's the thing. It's just like that's not you know fancy cars. That I'm not I'm past that stage yeah. in my life yeah, anymore. I think like the, the more we ground with the center of the being, the less and less we have a tendency to seek meaning, seek value, or uh, or try to project our identity onto the world. It's fascinating. And it's such a powerful teaching. That one teaching is so powerful because it's, you know, you so many people go after brands, the consumerism, all of that kind of stuff is based around the lack, not only based around fear as well, but also based around 
the fact that you want to be seen. Yes, you want to be seen. And that becomes your highest value. Right. And that becomes very, very dangerous because once that happens, see that abstraction layer, what we call the mind, has this ability to see itself as a subject and everything else as an object. So we have a subject-object relationship with reality. The problem is you are reality. There isn't actually a true subject and object relationship. There is on one level, but at a deeper level, it's actually one seamless field of energy we might describe it as, right? Mm. And if we only see one layer of being, which is the subject-object relationship, we're now essentially walking alone in an alien world. And we feel very, very separated. And we feel alone fundamentally, even if we have lots of friends. And what that does is it distorts our logic and reason. This is why even scientists these days are uh, oftentimes not able to speak the truth when it's obvious. And we've been through that over the last few years. Even though it's obvious they won't speak the truth. They themselves may be confused on the matter because their sense of self-worth is still coming from an outside source. And they have to abide by that outside source or lose their funding, lose their reputation, lose their right. Tenure. You're not a scientist anymore. As soon as that happens, as soon as you've divested yourself from what is factually, objectively true, I mean, if you're a scientist, that's their definition, you can't claim to be a scientist anymore. I I guess you could, but it's fraudulent, right? Even if if technically speaking, you you know the lingo and you know the techniques. And, and based on everything we're just saying here in this teaching, if you look at the credit card debt that we in the United States alone are under, which is billions upon billions, excuse me, trillions, I think. I think we're close to over a trillion or trillion. We're, we're in an obscene. Inundated. <laughs> that, is the, that is the status of where we are as a society. Yes. Because we have now had to purchase and have been sold all of these goods to give ourselves meaning because yes. we have a lack of meaning within ourselves. Yes. And that one teaching, if anyone listening can take that away from this conversation, that idea could change the world in many ways because mm-hmm. it is one of the biggest causes. Even war is caused by like, look at me, look at me. Okay. I want to dominate you because I need to be, I need to show that I have purpose. I have that I exist that I, and that's ego. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. That's ego coming out. As and well. a lot of it is, you know, we, we look down on the size, we're going to save them. Right. That's also right. basically it has to come from within the United States gained its freedom because within it, the people said, look, we want this and we're going to fight for it. Right. It was the highest value. If it's not the highest value of any people, they won't have it. And you can't give it to them. It's just simply not how it works. People have to find it within themselves and be willing to fight and die for it. Or else it's simply not going to happen or it will be unsustainable. And so, you know, I, I like the, the Star Trek idea of not interfering with another race until right. they've right. reached a certain technological level and can basically travel through space on their own. Otherwise, you don't you don't interfere with them. You let them develop on their own. Maybe we need to have this idea that everybody needs to actually find the value of freedom on their own first. Right. It, and that's one. I think one of the reasons why the show is becoming more popular and more popular because people are searching for this information. Yes, people yes. really are hungry because yes. they've they've gone down that other road. Yes, and all they have is debt. They don't feel any better. 
uh, they they still have no meaning, and we've been we've been programmed to believe that meaning is outside of ourselves. Yes, but yeah. the only problem with that is it goes right back to what was his name uh, uh, the the book wherever you go there you are. Yeah, I remember that book. Yeah, yeah, I forgot the name but of the author. You but got a great car. You're still the one driving it. You're still there, and if you're not happy with yourself. Doesn't matter what you're driving. Doesn't matter what That's kind of boat you have, what kind of house you have, what neighborhood you live in. You're still there. And if you're at war with yourself on a subconscious level, if you don't respect yourself on a subconscious level, which means you don't respect reality, mm -hmm. it's going to be rough. It, and coming from the world I come from, Hollywood, uh, I can attest to all of that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, yes. you could be the richest, most famous people in the world I've met. And they, some are really well put together. Others are not. It's probably pretty refreshingly rare, but probably refreshing when you meet some that are pretty well put together. Yeah. And it's, it takes time to get there, you know, like a Matthew McConaughey who I have not met, but from what he's doing publicly, you could see he's starting to figure things out for himself yeah. in his own life Especially journey. Looking at things. And yeah. And trying to, and, and trying to help others think about things differently as well with his book and, and his seminars now that he's putting together. It's pretty fascinating. I hope to have him on the show one day. <laughs> I, I, I thought you got my boat. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so that's a really, so go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, how do we tie this into then Jesus's teachings? I mean, to me, it's it obvious, yeah. but I'm not sure if it is obvious. Okay. So yeah, so we, we've kind of dug into the Genesis. So those are the, those are some of the major uh, ideas in the Genesis, in the Genesis code. Did you go past anything else in Genesis or was it only Genesis? Did you go into other areas of the Bible to try to see yes, if you I, could find? I, I, no, yes, I did. Like, for example, the, the, are you familiar with the character Job? Yeah. So the, the interesting thing about, so going back to Genesis, in Genesis is a serpent. Mm -hmm. But the serpent, nowhere in the Bible is a serpent obviously mapped onto the idea of the Satan. Right. Right. Nowhere is it mapped onto, but we associate the two. Why do we associate the two? It's because the serpent played a trickster character. But there's an angel in God's hierarchy. So we could look at the we could look at the angels as the as facets or expressions of God. Mm -hmm. They're servants of God. They don't do what God doesn't want them to do. One of the angels is, is called the Satan in G, in Jesus, uh, in, in Hebrew, the Satan. The Satan was scouring the earth. God calls upon him and says, where were you? He says, I was, you know, scouring the earth. And I've got this guy that I found that uh, you think he's great. This guy named Job, you think he's great, but uh, I think he's going to betray you. He just needs the right stimulus. So, you know, I want to test him out because you, you say this whole thing is good, but I'm, I'm looking at this guy, the guy who's like the best of the humans. And, you know, I, I think I, if I could tempt him, he would, uh, he would betray God. He would betray us. So God's like, okay, go ahead. Take anything away from me you want. But on the person himself, don't lay a hand. Don't harm him. But, you know, take away all his wealth, take away all his things. And, and we'll see how he does. And so the Satan goes to Job and he takes his children, takes his livestock, takes his house. And, and all the while hoping that Job is going to prove him right. But Job never cursed God. Job never cursed reality. Job never judged himself, which means he was following the law. Mm. And that's fundamentally, that's it's like, it's, of course, it's an objectification of God in a sense. It's, 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 it's an allegorical story. 
it's like you, you, it's hard to understand people don't understand i found this when i went to japan a lot of the old plays and stuff like that they're ridiculous <laughs> they're ridiculous they take these basic ideas and they turn them into characters right god is representing reality in this case when you stub your toe mother do you do right, all this? Right. Damn it! Why does this always happen to me? And you know all of that. Yeah. So we start going into this very negative, judgmental state against reality, as if you know we're victims. We self-victimize, right? That's fundamentally simply stopping doing that will change the quality of your life tremendously. The next time someone lies to you, instead of saying they're a liar, which doesn't endear anybody to you. And instead of thinking that, just you might just think that might not be the truth, right? Instead of labeling each other, you're this, you're that, which is like rampant in society now, mm -hmm. right? We might remove the labels and just recognize that whatever it is that's looking out their eyes is the same thing that's looking out your eyes. That's reality exploring itself. You're them. They're you fundamentally. And if you judge them, that there's a calculation in your, in your nervous system, in your subconscious mind that recognizes you're judging yourself. You don't love you. That's what it means. You don't accept you. You don't appreciate you. There's no way you can be happy under that circumstance. There's no way you can feel inner peace. Your nervous system will be disturbed. And the problem is that doesn't just go away. It like stays in the body. And you experience it as inflammation. You experience it as uncertainty. You experience it as feeling alone. You experience it as insecurity. And all the solutions we have for that are be more recognized out there, be more seen as important out there. And it's insane making, because if you can't get it out there, you'll create it in here. You'll go insane and have visions of grandeur and all of that sort of stuff. This is a holistic system that encompasses the body and the psychology and the environment. So if someone's listening right now and they said, that sounds great. I want to find value inside of me. I want to uh, find that meaning inside of me. What do I do? The first step is to recognize that you are reality and that you don't know what that is. The second step is to realize that reality is reality and reality itself doesn't know what that is. The question is not knowing. The only question is not knowing, which means a state of chaos. How can you still be loving? And that requires a change in attitude. It means to be loving without condition, to be accepting without condition. You don't have to earn it. But it is a practice because we have habit. Like since you were a child, since you were, since you were born, maybe even before for some people, um, we've been told you're a good boy, you're a bad boy. You're a good girl, you're a bad girl. If you don't do this, you're bad. If you do that, you're good. What that's done is it has actually changed our neurology. Our sense of identity is tied up in being good or bad. And now I know the equation to get good is to get approval from my mother then it becomes to get approval from society. Then it becomes to get approval from God, approval from all of these external ideas. But the one place, the one thing that will never go away, you might get Alzheimer's, forget that you even have a mother. Mm -hmm. You might lose everything and never have anybody's approval, but there's one area that you can look to, and that will be required that you get calm, grounded, and centered open awareness in all directions, which is what the warrior's meditation that I teach is about. Calm, grounded, centered awareness it comes from samurai training, where you will find the unconditioned way of being. 
the unconditioned love, the unconditioned acceptance, the unconditioned appreciation, the unconditioned respect that ultimately will lead to a trust that will develop between the abstraction layer, which we call the mind, and the body itself, which has its own intelligence. A communication between the two will start to happen. And then that will start to open up a communication between the environment, the body, and the mind, and they will all start to unify. And then you will feel meaning. You won't have to create it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Meaning is a revelation when you're tapped into the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is a recognition of the embodiment of oneness of being. Well, that was excellent, by the way. Thank you so much for that. That Hopefully that helps somebody listening. Um, so let's get into the lost teachings of Jesus, because I like to quote this constantly on the show. Yogananda said, Paramahansa Yogananda said, Jesus died, was crucified uh, in a day, but his teachings were crucified for the for the next 2,500 years. Uh, yes. It's, it's yes. so true. So what are some of these lost teachings? Where did you discover them? Did you discover them within the Bible? Did you discover them outside of the Bible? Uh, in, the Bible. Okay. in the Bible. Okay, so tell me. Most fundamental of the lost teachings and the one that that will be directly, is directly mappable in such an obvious way onto the teachings of Genesis, which is stop moral judgment. Because in the, in the third story of Genesis, God warns, if you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, which is, you know, the apple, you will surely die. What does that mean? You might have had the experience when you were a child, uh, up to a certain age where you felt like everything somehow was magical. Like the world felt alive and vibrant and magical. And then at some point that just stopped later on in your life, for whatever reason, sometimes this happens to people. It's oftentimes as a result of having a mystical experience or a near death experience, they come out of it and suddenly everything feels vibrant like that again. Mm -hmm. Right. Childlike. Yes. Childlike, vibrant, clear. Everything feels magical, mystical, amazing. Mm -hmm. You feel alive. But even for people with near death experiences, A few months later, things normalize again, and you're back into this mundane world. And that's the separation we're talking about. The brain has this normalizing process. The the process, it makes sense biologically. It wants to map reality. It wants to feel like I understand what's going on because it takes effort to to constantly update the map. It takes Mm -hmm. effort to actually see things as they are. It's, It's easier just to access the memory, project that memory onto reality. Like the first time you ever see something, you're actually vibrantly seeing it. Right. Imagine the natives on the coast back in, you know, 1600s when the ships came. They're like, they were really alive in that moment. They're paying mm-hmm. attention in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's what the hell is that thing? <laughs> right. Is it, what is it that feeds our sense of the mundane and the dullness? Of course, it is the judgment. It is the judgment. Because basically what you're saying, you've, 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 you've reduced this other person down to this little box label that you've given them. That's a that's a leftist. That's a right. What do we call it? That that way, a right winger. I, I don't. Even, you know, there's so many of these types of things that are going on. We reduce mm-hmm. them. We're no longer seeing them as, as even connected to us. We've objectified them, and now we just throw darts at them, right? But we're doing that to ourselves, and it is a very very jaded way of moving through life. You're not really alive at that point. You've lost the innocence. You've lost the connectedness. You've lost the magic of life, and you're just projecting. So that you feel self-important. You, it makes you feel like you know something to be able to label something. It's a dominance move. That's what it is. 
It's a dominance move. Put somebody down so you feel better, right? I'm not sure that that's helpful, but how does that relate onto the New Testament? Thou shall not judge. As you judge, so you will be judged. Mm -hmm. Those who are judged cannot enter into life. If you judge, you cannot enter into life. Now, we view this life as like an afterlife. No, no. Mm -hmm. Right here, right now. You are disconnecting from reality. The judgment is a moral judgment. I don't mean discernment. The moral judgment. Labeling somebody, yourself and others. I'm such an idiot. You know, that, that, all the, the, those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Fog your mind. Fog your nervous system. And create this sense of aloneness. And that aloneness was, leads to suicide, it leads to all forms of addictions, it leads to compulsions, it leads to inflammation, it leads to lack of clarity, it leads to self-defensiveness, it leads to self-absorption, it leads to, because we need to get a sense of importance. Look at Al Capone. He considered what he was doing a service to society. He thought he was an important man. Look at, look at uh, Adolf Hitler. He thought what he was doing was a great service to his society. He thought he was, he was seeking importance. Now we're going to find importance in one of two ways. One that's healthy for you, me, we. And or, and or one that's not, but it's unlikely that we're going to say to ourselves, yeah, none of that was really good. <laughs> so, so let me, Very few people can do that, right? So let me ask you then, why is there such a need by a human being to find important, to find, to be seen, to find see. importance? Yeah. Why is that such a core, like uh, tigers and, and lions and elephants don't have that? You know, other parts, other species in this on this planet don't have that. Why are we so specific that it is almost in? It is like one of the great barriers or great challenges to be a human yes. is to deal with this thing. Why is it so inherent in us? Yes, there are there are fundamentally two layers to to the answer. First is that comes from the abstraction layer, that layer that says I am separate from reality. The layer, it doesn't even necessarily say that. It just sort of intuits that, right? Because it is a, 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 it is a mapping mechanism that is capable of seeing things that are not part of reality, i.e. planning. You know, on the next week, I'm, I'm, I want to go to such and such a place. Well, that's not the current reality. We're projecting into a possibility in the future to plan. But, the, but that ability to project into a reality that isn't comes with it also the ability to spin reality, to manipulate reality, to lie. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not actually changing reality with a lie, not directly, but you are brainwashing yourself to see it in, in a way that it isn't, which means you're brainwashing yourself to see yourself in a way that you aren't. And the reason we are seeking a sense of importance is we've every time we shame blame guilt do arrogance games which put ourselves up or other people up put other people down that sort of thing or ourselves down victimize ourselves or others every time that we play these games it's like we've just folded like imagine you're being as a paper we folded that paper on that paper is written you <laughs> me we one right? You folded it. You can't see you, me. The first fold, you can no longer see you, me, we. Mm -hmm. And every time that you believe you are your name, you are your job, you are this, that, or the other thing, and your sense of 
identity is dependent upon that information, you folded that paper again, and just folds and folds and folds and folds and folds and gets so small and so dense. And within ourselves, we become further and further from that fundamental awareness of truth, the spirit of truth. It's at the very core of that paper. The way forward isn't to acquire more identity. The way forward is to unfold the paper and go, oh, wait, fundamentally, I'm really not a father. I'm really not a mother. I'm playing that role. I love my son, but truly, he's not even really my son. He's me in another body, right? This is the universe expressing. And so I, I respect this one. My job isn't to make him me in, in the external sense, but to allow him to express himself in the fullness of being because his body is different than this body, different set of filters. You're not going to necessarily want to do the same things I want to do. That's a revelation for him which means the revelation for me through his body. One of the big concepts here, and I want to just really highlight this because it's so important. So many of us, like we've been talking about, feel disconnected mm -hmm. and the delusion that we are not all one. Yes. And that's a bit of an abstract concept. Yes. It's an abstract concept. But what we've been able to do here and what you've been able to say so beautifully and elegantly is that what makes up the tree what makes up the leaves, what makes up the animals, what makes up the air, what makes up the planet is the same stuff that makes us up. We are all part of the same code, the same makeup, the same, just expressed in different ways. Yes. That is such a powerful teaching because it is an inarguable, you cannot argue against that. That's right. You truly can't. And if you can't argue against that, then you have to accept the idea that we are all part of the same stuff expressed in different ways. And if you can do that, then the delusion of separation could begin to crack and fall down. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's where it begins. It begins by fundamentally being very, very honest. Now, that, that the beginning of it is to be very, very honest. The second part of it is to recognize that we're, that, 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 Observation itself is coming from the abstraction layer. It's like the abstraction layers become honest and go, okay, yeah, if I'm going to be really, really honest, I don't, I am reality. Everything's reality. And I don't really know what reality is. That's the beginning. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. The next part is to actually get really, really deeply in touch with the body itself. And to respect the body because it has its own intelligence most people don't know this and never experienced it because the abstraction layer is so dominated the body it's it's in a passive mode it's like you've mm. kicked your dog a thousand times eventually it stops expressing you know it's it's mm. in the shivering you know disrespected state it has an intelligence that may profoundly um outmatch the abstraction layers intelligence in certain ways and to get in touch with the body which is why Meditation is extremely important, especially if it's done with the right attitude, with practices that are less and less dependent upon being sedentary, because we want to be aware of the connection of that we are. See, many teachings say you need to be more present, right? Mm -hmm. you need to be more present. Yeah. That's itself an absurd statement. Mm -hmm. You are presence. You are reality. Reality cannot be more reality. Right, but your mind is the delusion. The mind is playing this game, right? And so, if we were to, if we're going to be really honest with the terminology, it's like, let's just acknowledge we are reality, we are presence, and no matter what we do, we can't be any less of that, nor can we be any more of that. Which is why 
I cannot be more spiritual than you. You cannot be more spiritual than me. And I cannot become more spiritual than I already am. If spirituality is, is essentially the acknowledgement of the totality of being, do you see it? Right, but, right. but for this to be embodied such that our mind can't just run away with us at any moment, it requires an awakening of the body itself, not just mm -hmm. a, a, an awakening of a philosophy, but an awakening of the body itself. And this is why I teach what I teach is called the total embodiment method. But back, was... back to the forces of science, the forces of, of physics, we look at that right now, we look at them as forces. This goes back to something we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We talk about the strong force, these are atomic forces, strong force, the weak force, then we've got electromagnetism, and then we've got gravity. Well, what if they're not just forces? What if they're senses? Mm -hmm. I view the senses as well of as the universe. Forces. Uh, yeah. The senses of the universe. They're the senses upon which the normal five senses that we think of as well as the abstraction layer are built. There's no difference. We're just an abstract, we're just an extension of those four fundamental forces. There may be even more that we don't know of. But they're not just forces. It's disrespectful to think of them in that way, from my perspective. Right. I mean, if you look at gravity, <clears throat> they can't explain it. They can say it exists, but they truly don't know how it works. In the scope of the universe, yeah. <clears throat> why is there what creates it, what starts it? And then the whole concept of black holes starts in where their gravity and it can go on for days. <laughs> it, it can and will go on for the rest of your life. If you know, and that's fine. It's the, the fundamental thing is to recognize that we don't really know what reality is. That's a, that's that's the basis of, of science, actually, is to first say, I don't know, but I, I'm interested right. to explore, right? That's what right. really science is. Um, one of the one of the most important aspects of what I see of realities in the Genesis code, I describe the Creator God essentially as a conscious zero. It it it's an, you might have seen the statement, "I am that I am." Mm -hmm. Moses goes up to the mountain, finds a burning bush, reaches out to him. Moses says, "You know, who are you so that I can give your message to my people and let them know who it came from?" They say. It says, I am that I am. What does that mean? People don't tend to take it for granted. What does that mean? What it means is I, I am reality. I don't know what I am. I just am what I am. Reality doesn't know what it is. It's a conscious zero, effectively. And so in its search for what it is, is the development of what I call universal mind. Universal mind is like a mathematical algorithm. It will project a positive statement about myself, I am, and a negative sense statement about itself. But I have no evidence of that case. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Where a lot of people lean towards. We get the light, we get the darkness, we get up, we get down, we get all Contrast. of the duality that create our sense of duality, which is what we call reality. But it's coming from a conscious zero. It's not coming from an unconscious zero. Now, when I see it, it's actually coming in and out this this. The consciousness or conscious awareness of being comes in and out of existence at, at this unbelievable speed. Mm -hmm. This is the vibration of the universe. The truth is you are and are not simultaneously, mm -hmm. as the universe is and is not simultaneously. The question is, how do we live, because all you really care about is how you feel, mm -hmm. in a way that you actually can get through being, which is what yod he means to be. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the tetragrammaton. That's the 
that's the uh, Lord God in the Lord God statement in the Bible. That goes all the way back to the second chapter of Genesis. To be, how can we be and not be miserable? Yep. And the way to do that is to decouple, to get rid of judgment, get rid of moral judgment, toss it out. No longer judge yourself. Don't me don't self measure anymore. You can measure skills. You know, I can run a mile in five point five seconds. You know, <laughs> five point five minutes. Sorry. God, God bless you, sir. I have. I, let me be your manager. Let me be your manager, sir. We'll make millions. <laughs> in fairness, I can no longer do that. But you get the point. Someone else can run a quicker mile, but that doesn't make them fundamentally better than me. No. So in the expression, in the expression of the body, we are not created equal. Maybe we're not created. We're a revelation. We're an extension of being. We're a revelation. And you look at Hugh Jackman. He may as well be a god on earth. I mean, that's not fair. We don't live in a fair reality. That's not fair. What's happening is the universal mind is exploring all potentials of being. Some of them are super intelligent. Some of them are super handsome. Super. Some of them are tall and strong and healthy and kind. And they can sing, they can dance, they can act. It is just unfair. And then you've got me. <laughs> and then you got me. That's Richard, just I, I, I feel I feel this is turning into a therapy session, uh, Richard. And um, if you need to talk about things with Hugh, I can call him for you and we can work <laughs> some things out. You. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? And that's basically what's oh, happening, right? So so but real quick, that when you, when, people, when you compare yourself to others, that's where a lot of pain and suffering and delusion come into play. Because I always say to people like, look, I can play basketball. You can play basketball. We're not going to play like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Like these are not, that's not what we are. We're not here to be expressed in that manner. You know, you and I could right now work really hard for the next year, train. And the chances of us getting into the NFL, Richard, are really low. No matter that's how hard. A minus number. <laughs> is there a negative? <laughs> we could train as hard, have the best professionals in the world, eat everything right. And I promise you, you and I will probably be in pretty decent shape at the yeah. end of that. But we're not going to probably get into the NFL. That's and that's and okay. Probably the, and probably the, 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 the weakest player on the NFL on a sick day would still beat us. Absolutely. There's no question. You could play tennis and then you can play Serena Williams tennis. Right. Like there's just a different level that that's that's the way she was come she brought into it and and the same way you and I are expressing our superpower our mission in life in the way that we are I challenge Michael Jordan to do what you do or to do what I do they don't have the same skill set just as I don't have his skill set or you don't have his skill set and if you understand that that's the, the joy of life is to figure out what that superpower is and then dive into it it's interesting um, I'm not even sure we all have a superpower. I, I, I don't even have that much faith. Or a purpose, or a purpose, whatever that purpose what, is. What I found, what I found is that um, it kind of goes to what you're describing as purpose. We're alive when we're curious. Yes. And when you're curious, whether you're skilled or not skilled, whether you're strong or not strong, you, you feel alive. That you know, the the, the five-year-old or four-year-old me that felt alive and vibrant and magical in this world had no skills of note, was a feeble little body not too bright <laughs> it's the curiosity that gives your life life remain in that innocent curiosity as much as possible and it's but as soon as you label something you've actually divested them from your realm of curiosity you Ooh. think you know them already so you're not curious 
And that's what you've done with yourself. You think you know yourself, so you're not paying attention. The reality is, this is to anybody who's listening, you're the most amazing thing that could ever be, just as everything else is. And you've got all these nuances and flavors and, and perceptions that you yourself may not be aware of. But if you become curious, if you become curious about your own nature and the nature of other people, when you have a conversation and you really just like actually interested in what the other person is saying, really want to hear what their point of view, even if you don't agree with it, you just like to hear it, to feel it, to like almost see out their eyes, life will become magic again. And you'll realize that it never wasn't that. It's just that you've been fogged. You've been fogged by this idea that you know. And Socrates was right. Maybe we don't know. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. That's why Delphi said you are the wisest person because you say you don't know. Correct. And, and if we've learned anything throughout history is wherever we are, whatever point in time we are, man and humanity has it all figured out. <laughs> That's right. That's At right. every stage from the, like, I made fire. There's nothing else. We're done. I created the wheel. We're done here. There's nothing else to learn. Um, every step, every day that goes by, we have it all figured out. <laughs> And if you understand that how lunacy, how lun- like a lunatic thinks this way to understand that we truly don't know. And the reason I do this show is because there's so many mysteries and ideas and thoughts about reality, about what we're here to do, about the other side, about what's inside of us, every aspect, our history, our future, all of it. I'm endlessly curious. Yes. I yeah. can never stop doing this show. I could keep talking about all of these things infinite it, it literally for an infinite it, it just goes and on and on infinitely because there's no answer to it all there's okay. just different points of view as they as the old as the old proverb says we're just all looking at different parts of the elephant yeah and this elephant's massive and we go yeah. constantly it's this is a massive elephant that i will never all see in this life and that's the beauty of it because i'm mm. not looking for a destination i'm enjoying the journey sir that's right <laughs> That's an excellent place to finish. You think you just put, put a perfect spot on it. So, unless, um, there's any, unless there's any other important questions we haven't covered. There's a, there was a lot we well, wanted to talk Yeah, there's a, there's a tremendous amount we could cover. Um, so just to touch on, you know, finally with Jesus, what was one of his most misinterpreted teachings that you would like to, from your research, set straight for poor Jesus, who has been misquoted quite often throughout history. In fact, I won't share any particular quote. Sure, just teaching. It's an attitude that shows up later in the Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, later in the stories. So first, it's important to recognize, and this is something that oftentimes is really hard to wrap our our minds around, because we've been told, if if we're going to church, that the Bibles are infallible. the, The exact word of God and you know, just, he just infested somebody and, and they wrote down his, his ideas. That's probably not correct. And there's so much evidence to show that that's not correct as, as to be bewildering, bewildering and utterly astonishing. And I understand because when I was young, um, 
I try to talk to people about things that might disprove. It doesn't work. No. Who am I to save them? I'm, I, who am I to save them? And maybe they don't need saving. Maybe that. And maybe you're the one that needs saving. So who knows? Maybe I'm the one that needs saving. But what I can say is that first, what is it that beliefs do for us? There's certain. There's a certain. Like I have to believe. We can never divorce ourselves from belief. I have to believe that the that the water in here is going to nourish my body, or I won't reach out to grab it and drink it. Correct. There's no getting around it. There's some certain amount of belief that's necessary in this life. The but the blind belief is where things get very very dangerous. Yes. Because what's happening is we're giving we're creating an image of God in our minds, which is an idol. Because actually, you don't know. You don't know. It's an idol, and you're worshiping this idol now. Idol worship in the Old Testament was actually they created a little statue or something. But that statue is in your own mind, right? That statue is in your own mind. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. So basically, you know, believe, believe, believe is what is quoted Jesus saying over and over and over again. The question is what to believe. Now, if he scolded his students, if you don't do as I teach you, if you don't do, if you don't follow these teachings, you can't possibly benefit. It's not going to work. You have to actually do these things. Well, what are these things that you have to do? Stop judging. To be perfected by love, you must cease the moral judgment. That's the fundamental teaching. But later in the Bible, when he's when he goes to Jerusalem and he's confronting the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders, he labels them, you hypocrites, you liars, you serpents. Mm -hmm. He's breaking the universal law. He's breaking the law of reality, the law of God. Nobody gets away with that. That, I believe, is a false teaching. Mm. And it is utterly pervaded the religious establishments around the world. Finger That finger-wagging, you know, that religious finger-wagging, that's what that is. Oh. Nobody mm. likes it. It's ugly. It's ugly. And that's not what, what reality is about. That's coming from the abstraction layer. That's the serpent. That's the Satan in your own heart. That's the confusion. The problem is that those stories weren't written by one people. They were written by somebody that came 70 years after the fact of the existence of Jesus. It's not like everybody could read back then. Almost nobody could. So it's just word of mouth spreading. These Bibles that we call these books were written in Greece. They weren't written. They were written in Greek, most of them. So that, that's a, that's a, those are <coughs> And then they were rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and modified and shaped and turned into what we see now that may bear very little reflection upon what the man actually said. Now, we don't know. Did Jesus say, thou shalt not judge as you judge, so you will be judged. If you live in judgment, you cannot enter life. Those statements, we don't even know if he said those. But what I can say is if you actually follow those statements, your life will change. Mm -hmm. All of your life will skyrocket you'll feel so much better about life and yourself. And it'll be the most challenging adventure you'll ever enter into because every moment of your life is inundated with conscious or unconscious judgments as a result of the brainwashing that you've received since you were born and the genetic, we, we might say the genetic momentum that began to roll forward at the moment when the, the first human being developed a sufficient degree of that abstraction layer to be able to self-judge. You know, it's it's really interesting because you know I do truly try to read the comments uh, that come in, and a lot of the negative ones always are. This doesn't match up with like from near death experiences. This doesn't match up with scripture. 
uh, this is not the word of God. Uh, you know, and obviously you and I are both demons. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not, but you and I are both demons. I shaved my head. I couldn't find the horns, but I haven't seen, I, the, you've been hiding the horns very nicely. Well, there are probably other dimensional horns is what it is. Obviously, obviously. I mean, but, I, I have uh, army on other dimensions. For hello! Sure. But anyway, <laughs> no, no, but, no, but in all seriousness though, the, the, this idea that a book that's been written, rewritten, 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 not just one book, all all texts, not to be curious, not to question, not to investigate. Um, I, I find it so odd. To... Well, it's not odd at all. It, it actually makes total sense because if no, they I do know. that, they get, they get excluded from the church. I mean, even if not physically. Yeah, I know what emotionally, you mean. You know, they're considered outsiders. Yeah. And that goes to, you know, we're, we're outsourcing our sense of importance to our community. Yeah. So I need the respect of my church members to feel I'm worthy. And if I question their teachings, they're going to be angry at me. And now mm -hmm. I'm no longer worthy. So it, it all, every, all the issues we're suffering from in the planet right now, all of them, religious, political, it doesn't matter. Well, every single one comes back to the same point. Jesus, if he said this was an absolute, he was correct. He was just correct. And, but it, then it's, it's tribalism, but it's tribalism. That's why we, one of the biggest fears, if not the number one fear above death is speaking in public because right. of out being outcasted from the tribe, because if you're thrown out of the tribe, you won't survive in uh, on a, on a, on a, on a, on that level of uh, existence back then. So right. now even it's, now it's tough, right? You know, geez, even yeah. now. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're thrown out of your family because of your beliefs, yes, um, right. it's difficult. It's extremely difficult, if not, you know, very hard emotionally. And you're going to have to deal with that baggage and thrown out of your, your profession, thrown out of wherever friends, groups of friends. It is, it is a very powerful thing that people who want to manipulate you do manipulate you with uh, and go, if you don't get the point, it is manipulation. Yeah. It's a manipulation. You're like, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to be thrown out. And if you're thrown out, you're just going to be out there by the wolves by yourself where again that's the delusion of separation yes because if you understand that like well if i'm out there i am god i am part of god that's right. uh, i am reality i am connected to that at a deeper sense with or without my community i can do that and hopefully the rest of us can, can if you understand that it is such a powerful teaching and and if i make if i may end it with um what a, a quote, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Yes. Anything yes. I can do, you can do that and greater, something along those lines. Right. That's exactly what we've been talking about here. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um. I'm going to ask you, uh, Richard. Those, those two quotes are ones that you very rarely hear stated in churches. Oh, of course, yeah, doesn't go along with the doesn't go along with, with the doctrine. So. But yeah, it doesn't. Who's interested? Just look it up it's right there in the Bible. So, right, exactly. It's piecemealed, if you will, uh, teachings. Even, if you will. even more important than the Bible, if you just research this on your own, just watch your own heart. Watch how you feel about yourself in your own body when you morally judge or when you're morally judged. And you'll see how ugly it is, and you'll probably stop doing it. Um, Richard, I'm going to ask you a few questions and ask all my guests. Sure. What is your definition of living a fulfilling life? If you can go back 
in time and give your younger self some advice, what would that be? I would, we wouldn't give myself any advice. I, I feel like every moment was really, really necessary. I had to have all the bumps and bruises I had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how do you define God? Reality. You. Me. Me. What is the ultimate purpose of life? That's an interesting one. I mean, it's the same. I, I wouldn't call it a purpose. It is what is happening. The universe is exploring itself. I, I don't want to state that it is actually intending to do that, like it, it's a purpose that a human being, it is simply what it's doing by its nature. And that to me is that ultimate purpose. So as humans do that, we reflect reality more accurately. And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing, sir? RichardLHeight.com. That's H-A-I-G-H-T.com. It's got everything. We've got, I've got a free 30 days meditation training there that, that'll teach you the warrior's meditation. It's that calm, grounded, centered, open awareness. You're able to move in it. You're able to have your eyes open. You're able to talk, walk, and chew gum at the same time. Ultimately, coming towards that center of love and awareness and curiosity that we've been talking about. 30 days of that. And after that, we'll see where it takes you. And do you have any parting messages for our audience? Just I love you all. Richard, it's been a pleasure having you back, my friend. We will definitely, uh, I have a feeling that we'll be. you'll be back again to have another deep conversation with me, my friend. I appreciate you and all the work you're doing, my friend. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Alex. I want to thank Richard so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 270. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.